the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What does radical forgiveness look like? And then we're joined by Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In to Talk Summer Movies. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey friends, welcome to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. Hope that you are having a great week. Aubrey, it's already starting to get warm. It's starting to get warm. And Brian, I know we have something really serious to talk about, but what you didn't tell people is it's also your birthday! I was just waiting to see if you remembered. It is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. It's also Brian's birthday. And uh, Brian, before we dive into the topic, we actually have somebody calling in for you. Oh boy, let's do it. All right, caller, are you here? Hello! (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, happy birthday! This is Brian's daughter, Madeline, on the phone. Hello, sweetie. Shouldn't you be studying for finals right now? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, on an important day like today. (laughs) This is the greatest birthday gift ever. I wish you could see your dad's face, Madeline. He's got a big smile and big he's like rosy cheeked right now. Big smile. The greatest oh gift goodness. people know, sweetie, is that you are coming home this week. It is the birthday gift of all birthday gifts. Oh, I know. I'm just too kind. Yes, yes. So she's going to come home, Aubrey, and she just gets to immediately start celebrating me. She better come home with a lot of presents in her car for you. She does. She does. I love you, sweetie. Thanks for calling. Thanks, yeah, Madeline. I had to remind the, the world just, you know, how. how how old you are. <laughs> I thought she was about wonderful. to say how, how much I love my you dad. Yeah, right, no, just yeah. how old I am. I love you, sweet pea. See you soon. I love you too. Happy birthday. Thank you. Bye. Well, that was surprising. Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that fun? You're a cute little girl. I gotta be honest. Sometimes things are different in the headphones. So I was like, I, I think could tell that's you were my like, daughter's. I think that's Madeline, but I'm I not think... sure. That's why I went. It's your daughter. I was Madeline. also prepared for it to be someone, and, and then it was like, okay, so oh, that's so fun. <laughs> yes, my daughter comes home this week. My kids are the love of my life. So there we go. So fun. Well, happy birthday, Brian. Thank we'll you. be celebrating you very much. Throughout Thank the you evening. very much. I, somehow this is going to turn into a, an extended birthday celebration for you. You, I think. Obviously, it's always my birthday. Let's just, <laughs> let's just so, be yes. honest. It's always my we birthday. We will talk later about just the passage of time and getting older. I do want to hear some wisdom from you now that you're aging. I'm aging. You give I'm, us your aged wisdom, My Ryan. wife did look at me the other day. She goes, stop saying that we're getting old. I'm like... <laughs> I don't know. It's a gift. It's a gift to grow it's old. It's a okay. Gift. So yes, today is my birthday, and uh, that will be my favorite part. Are of Are you going to do anything to celebrate tonight? Uh, later tonight it's or so tomorrow funny. My, night? My son's got a baseball game, which which people are like, oh, you have to go to a baseball game. I love That's going kind to of a baseball birthday games. Celebration for you, yeah. And my daughter's coming home. All of this stuff. So it's. I think we'll do dinner. But uh, I did tell my wife I want zero gifts because we have to buy a new lawnmower. If that doesn't scream forty six, <laughs> I don't know what That's does. That's right. I forgot about that. That the lawnmower more is going to be your birthday present. I'm super so excited sad. for it. So sad. I'm super excited for it. Okay. Well, happy birthday. So let me uh, let me ask you. I don't know 
how to transition to this because this is going to be a much deeper conversation. Yeah, I know this is sort of sort of a hard segue. Sorry about that. And I'm go- um, I'm going to say that this thing I've got here, the, the thing I'm going to share with you, might not be 100% confirmed. This is somebody saying they talked to somebody at this on Twitter. Does that make sense? It does, but before we go there, we've got somebody else okay. calling in for your birthday, Brian! Hey, so we might... hey happy birthday, Brian! <laughs> I know, that's Scott Murray. Yeah, that's Scott it Murray! Is, is. Uh, the one and only. Aubrey, can I take this opportunity to tell you that Scott Murray shares a birthday <gasps> with me? Happy birthday, Scott Murray! That's I so did. fun! But really, this call is a little, it's, you know, it's for both of us. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And we're going to, we, we always do something. Aubrey, Scott is the other pastor at my church. So we, we serve together and we, we always do one, like we'll go to Chili's together. So yeah. tomorrow. The boys are going golfing. The boys are going yeah. golfing. I thought you were going to say tomorrow. The boys are going to Panera. Nope. Golfing. Oh, no, no, that's yeah, okay. every other day. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, it should be a nice fifty-three degrees when we tee up. So. <laughs> wow, what a beautiful Brian, spring Brian, Chicago have, day. Oh yeah, Brian, I had to take this opportunity to say that I have served with a lot of pastors. And you are by far one of the nicest, easygoing pastors I've ever served with. So that is so nice. He, I, I can tell. I, he's never pastored me, but I can tell from the radio show that Brian is a fantastic pastor. So I think oh, two yeah. things are going on here, Aubrey. I think Scott is being very kind. Right? Okay. And Scott, Truthful. I love working with Scott. It's good to work with people you like. Is he asking right? for a raise? Is that but what's also happening? But time is coming, you know? Like, that is coming here down the pike. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, happy birthday to both Brian and Scott. That's so go. fun. Thank you. Happy birthday, Scott. I'll see you soon. Hey, I'll see you soon. You guys have a great day. You, too, you buddy. too. Thanks for calling in. Thanks, bud. Bye. You uh, you have stepped up here because I did this to you on your birthday. I know. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting you back, and you're trying to talk about something very serious. Yeah, we so might I don't just know. Bump it here soon. We t- let's talk about that later. Maybe. Do you want to? We don't have any more callers. If it makes you feel better, but do you want to talk about your birthday celebration at all? Yeah, let's talk about just the weirdness of birthdays in your mid forties. Yeah, let's talk about that. Do you feel like you can fully celebrate? Like. Okay, it's my birthday. Here's the deal, because there's a, a lot of people like are like, I can't get older. Like this is not like a hold back on them. Yeah. I kind of like it. Yeah, like I, yeah. I'm in my mid forties. I feel good about where life is right now. But Aubrey, it is weird. If you asked me right now, do you remember your 16th birthday? I remember it like it was yesterday. Like I remember, a hundred percent. My best friend and I—he's yes. got a birthday right around me, and we did like a a joint party on our when we turned six. And I, I can remember who was there. And now that you think that that's thirty years ago, yeah, is just wild to me. Like I, I don't. So it is the old, uh, you know, it can sound melodramatic, but even having my nineteen-year-old daughter on the phone, right? Like there is the idea that. Uh, uh, the day, uh, well, how's the old saying go? The days go slow, but the years go mm-hmm. fast. And it's, it is crazy, right? It is. It is crazy. And I'm with you. Like there is, I mean, it's strange to age and there are certainly things about it to sort of like, I don't know, feel sad that time is passing or whatever, but I'm with you. Like there also is something nice about getting older and like settling in, I think to an older age and like not being as concerned with certain things you were when you were younger and sort of knowing who you are. And like, there's a little bit of, I I also, and I know I've said this before and I don't say this to make anyone feel weird or guilty, but I do think having lost my friend Jen Mm -hmm, when she mm -hmm. died at uh, 42 
every year to me feels like a gift now. Like when I had my birthday, I was, I sensed it very differently than I had in the past. Like this is not something to complain about. Like it is a gift to grow old and to have another candle on the cake and to have more years that God has given you. And she's fine. She's not suffering anymore. But mm-hmm. like it, do, it does remind you that like a birthday is a gift. It's a gift to age. Yes, it really. That's a great way to put it because and I understand we have listeners who are in their 20s and we have listeners who are in their 70s yeah. right now, right? Yeah. And you're in your 70s and you're thinking, oh, 46 years old, you're just a kid. And the other right. way, you're right. <laughs> so you know, true. if yeah. you're in your 20s, you're thinking, wow, 46, you're retiring soon. And I think that's the point. Mm-hmm. Like life just keeps moving regardless of your age. I they're kind of cheesy, but those Facebook posts or like you'll see on Twitter or something where it's like the mirror of like somebody who's young looking in the mirror and seeing someone who's old. And it's oh, like this, like, you know, I haven't you ever seen, seen that. And it, the whole point is like when we look in the mirror, we always think we're young. Uh, I guess it would be the reverse. Somebody old looking into the <laughs> yeah, mirror. And yeah, it, you always young. think you're young. You look younger than you are. You I, feel younger than you are. I feel that even at 46, like mm. I still think of myself in my mid 20s. I mean, I wake up and my back hurts and stuff like that. But yeah. I, I think that's how it is at all of life. And then all of a sudden you're like in your 70s going, well, that went fast. Yeah, it's so it's so true. And so to live each day, li- well, it's, it's your birthday, so you you tell people about the Dash poem. Oh yeah, the Dash is a wonderful poem. Google it; it's a very famous poem that says, "You do not control the day you were born. You do not control the day you were die. But you you live that Dash in between those two. Uh, and what are you going to do with it? And what are you going to do with it? So uh, we're trying to make the most of every day, Aubrey. It's That's May the fourth. Right. May the fourth be, be with you. I got to hear from my my, my girl today. My my daughter. And so uh, we're off to a good start. We are off to a good start. Happy birthday, Brian. Thank you very much. What we're going to do next is now up your alley. So excited about this. Adam Holtz. He's the director of Focus on the Families Plugged In. He's going to call and we're going to talk summer movies. Yes, I'm spoiler so excited. That, I think you're going to have to be careful of spoiler alerts I know, I'm definitely, like, he's going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm definitely going to have to take my headphones off for that, because yep. I don't want to hear anything. So we're excited for him to join us next year on The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Aubrey, we're about to talk about one of your favorite <gasps> things. That list is, uh, people have probably started doing, one of them is movies. One of them is movies. People should know that they by now, that. right? They should know that I like movies, but that you, you've you got a little bit of an obsession. And so, yeah, uh, we are excited to talk to the director of Focus on the Families Plugged In. Uh, his name is Adam, uh, Adam Holtz. Adam, how you doing today, bud? I'm great. How are you guys? We're doing really well. So before we dive in for a little summer movie preview, before we jump in, uh, remind our people, what is Focus on the Families Plugged In? What is it that you guys do? Uh, This is our media review website, and we review movies, music, TV, video games, YouTube channels, books, and technology. We want to give you the information that you need as a family to make the best decisions you can about entertainment choices. So if you've never been to Plugged In, when you come there, you'll find not only just subjective aesthetic reviews, like a normal movie review, but mostly what we focus on is telling you about the content issues you can expect to find. Mm. You know, so you can make a good decision, an informed decision ahead of time. And I think on a bigger level, we want to help people just grow in their media discernment and really thinking mm-hmm. about entertainment and technology from a discipleship point of view as well. That's great. So great. So, Adam, there's a few movies I'm personally excited about. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, of course, which opens this weekend here in Chicago. Yep. Are you there? God, it's me, Margaret, because I was a big Judy Bloom fan. But yeah. uh, so give us a I don't I guess I don't give us an overview of what to expect for 
for the summer and what parents can kind of be evaluating as they think about taking their families to these movies? Yeah, those two movies we have actually reviewed already. So we loved some of the spiritual stuff in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Uh, in a general sense, it's not a Christian movie. Yeah. Uh, but there's some pretty frank conversation about puberty in that one. That you know, and that mirrors the book. That's always been the controversy about the book right. back in the 70s and 80s. But I think if you've had some of those conversations, it might be you know a conversation. I won't say starter, but continuer. Um, and, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is out. Saw that as well. It's more of, of what we would expect, I think, from a Marvel movie and from this franchise. So quite a bit of violence, some profanity, including one use of a word we haven't heard so far in the Marvel Universe. And you can probably figure out which one I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but I think some really great messages about family, about sacrifice. And of course, we get those in Marvel movies. I think this one more than I've most of the Marvel movies I've seen recently had a big heart. Uh, And I really liked that, even though I liked that, you know, side by side with saying there are some real PG-13 concerns here that parents need to to pay attention to. So let me kind of do a a speed round, maybe grouping some of these similar movies together and making some overarching observations. And the ones I'm going to talk about now we haven't seen yet, so uh, you'll want to check out PluggedIn.com to get all the details each week when these come out. But we've got a couple big budget action movies. Uh, So we've got Fast 10, which is the latest Fast and Furious movie. That comes out on May 19th. We've got Transformers Rise of the Beasts on June 9th, The Flash on June 16th, and Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny on June 30th. So that one. Those are sort of the the big-budget PG-13 action movies. Now, they're all different franchises, so what I'm about to say may or may not apply, you know, totally accurately to each one. But with PG-13 action movies, you can usually expect a fair amount of fairly sanitized violence, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If they get get too graphic, that gets them an R rating. And you can expect a sort of medium amount of profanity. It's not probably enough to have you saying, holy cow. I wish they would just swear less like you might in an R-rated movie. But it certainly is enough that I think that you got to take that PG-13 rating seriously. And especially mm-hmm. with the Fast X movie and with Transformers Rise of the Beast, those are franchises that really are known for kind of pushing the envelope with some of the sensual and suggestive yeah. imagery mm-hmm. as well. And so I think with those two especially, I won't be surprised if we end up with you know female characters in revealing outfits and mm-hmm. You know, occasional wink, wink, nudge, nudge, dirty jokes and suggestions, those sorts of things. So um, with those big budget PG-13 action movies, I think those are the primary content concerns parents are going to want to watch out for. Yeah, that's so helpful. Yeah, that's really helpful, helpful, Adam. We really appreciate that as we go into the summer. Hey, let me ask you about a a genre of movie, and that is what probably a lot of people listening to this uh, are are Christian movies, right? Like the Jesus Revolution that just came out, or we think... Think about, you know, The Chosen, not necessarily a movie, but more of a show. Right. What do you make of kind of the success of these very uh, Christian Bible-based entertainment? Are you surprised by the success? What do you chalk it up to? No, I'm not surprised. And I think that, you know, I've been 
in this role, well, I haven't been in the direct role. I've been plugged in for 20 years, and I've reviewed, man, a lot of Christian movies. I think with each passing year, the quality continues to get better. So, mm-hmm. like, with Jesus Revolution, you know, you've got Kelsey Grammer. You've got Kim Paisley Williams. You've got big-name stars and the Irwin brothers, John and Andy Irwin, who have directed and produced those movies. Um, they are... I just think getting better and better. And the same, I think, can be said of the Kendrick brothers with the movies they're doing. Um, the, the Irwin brothers in particular are really aiming at a mainstream audience. So we saw that as well with American Underdog, and I can only imagine, and some of the other movies that they have done. And I think it demonstrates that there is a real hunger, and this is true with The Chosen as well, there's a real hunger for quality storytelling told from a Christian perspective that is true to the Christian story. And I think each year we get these news stories, it's like, oh, Hollywood can't believe these movies are doing so well. And honestly, we've done that for like the last seven or eight years in a row. Hollywood has a very short memory. But I think the stories are getting more compelling. I think the quality is continuing to improve, maybe not in a revolutionary way, but Mm -hmm. in an evolutionary way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that, you know, with the Irwin brothers especially, they have a really good partnership with mainstream distributor Lionsgate. Mm. And Lionsgate understands their vision and actually spends the marketing money um, to get the word out. Because as you guys know, there's so much stuff out there, right, competing Mm -hmm. for our attention. And and right now, one of the other ones that's out is Big Joe Foreman. And it's another really well done. I think it's Sony Firm is doing that one. The story of George Furman or George Furman. George Foreman's mm-hmm. um, journey through boxing and finding Jesus. Uh, and it has done pretty well at the box office so far, too. So that would be my, my really quick take awesome. on that. Hey, that's so exciting. Okay, this is going to feel like a random question, but I'm asking specifically. I've got three sons, yeah. 16, 13, and 11. They've seen the Super Mario Brothers movie 800 yeah. times already. And I've been reading how this thing is like killing it at the box office. Yep. Uh, any thoughts from your perspective on why this movie is hitting as hard as it is at this moment in time? Well, I think it's two things, or maybe three. We'll start with two. Uh, you know, Nintendo's Mario franchise has been around since 1980 mm-hmm. when Donkey Kong came out. So we have generations of people who have played Mario Kart, Super Mario Brothers. You know, I mean, the, the list of Mario games is enormous. Yeah. So yeah. you have a huge, huge franchise. You also have now multiple generations of, of people who have played. So not only do you have your sons who have played these games, but you have a lot of millennial and even, you know, some of the older Gen Z parents who are now playing these games with their kids. We play Mario Kart at home, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I saw this one with my kids because we both get to enjoy it. Now, I'm not a Mario super fan, but I think parents recognize there's an opportunity to have fun there together. And this is a little bit more speculative, but obviously Disney has been in the news for all sorts of non- uh, I won't say non-entertainment. They've been in the news a lot because of the LGBT and, you know, the yes. quote, woke, unquote, agenda. Yeah. And a lot of parents have gone from trusting Disney to being suspicious or even turned Interesting. off. Interesting. Hmm. 
and you have Universal and Illumination, this is like their third or fourth big hit in a row. You know, we had Rise yeah. of Gru last year. There was another one that did really well that's totally escaping my brain right at the moment. I think that this is a message that we don't want to be preached at. We don't want agenda-based, politically-oriented kids' movies. We just kind of want to go see a good story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a super fun movie, so yeah. the word of mouth is great. Yeah, like totally. Said, they're getting repeat viewers. Yeah. That's right. Aubrey's using it as a babysitter, so she just. <laughs> we actually, you'll appreciate this. My hu- my husband and I went to see the uh, Air, the Nike Air movie, whatever yeah. I think it's called Air, yeah. and we sent our kids yeah. to the Mario one next door. So we all we had a family movie separate together. That's a good choice. Adam Holtz, he's director of Focus on the Families, uh, plugged in real fast. Where's the uh, what's the website where people can go to to get the plugged in? You can come to pluggedin.com and you. Also, want to check out our reviews of Little Mermaid later this month and Elemental, Pixar's next movie in June. We didn't really talk about those, but those are coming to pluggedin.com. Pluggedin.com. Adam Holtz, director of Plugged In. Adam, great to talk, man. Thanks for having thanks for joining us today. You bet. Thank you. Yep, you're listening to the common good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Aubrey, I want to talk about a really hard hitting topic, but actually one I think people care about in the Ooh, Christian world. Okay. How do we dress for church? Oh, this will be fun. Before we do that, Tell us something exciting yeah, that is happening is, at Judson this University. This is so exciting. So Judson University is about to celebrate their annual prayer breakfast. It's Friday, May 12th, and the breakfast is an amazing event. It'll be held on their campus from 7.30 to 9.30 a.m. Again, that's Friday, May 12th. And you can join local business leaders, members of the community. There's a motivational speaker, Sichi Demirkova. They have a great breakfast. Anyway, it's an incredible event. We are giving away a pair of tickets. So to enter to uh, receive a chance to win those tickets, go to our website, 1160hope.com. Use the keyword prayer. There you go. It's going to be a great time up at Judson. Okay. You and I both have started non-denominational church plants. Yes. That comes with a lot of expectations. Yes. One of them is a lack of formality. Absolutely. Uh, Low church, as we call it. So when I grew up, uh, you would never wear shorts or jeans to church. Yeah. Right. When I was even just out of college and you and maybe I started doing stuff on the stage at my old the other church I was at. Put on khakis and a button down. Right. 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 when I started Four Corners, probably the first two years, khakis and a button down, right? <laughs> uh, now, I tend to preach in uh, jeans Whoa. and a button down. Shocking. So, not a hoodie, yeah, not a, but jeans and a button down. Yeah. That, that nice jeans, right. not like jeans I would go out and, not, and then, you know. ripped up I, jeans or Other anything. times, I'll throw khakis on. Easter, I threw on a jacket. Yeah, Easter, you wear that tie or that but jacket. what was interesting yeah. is how much that threw people. Like I heard less Happy Easter and more Wow. What are you wearing? Kevin gets that too. Yeah. I had somebody say to me, they said it jokingly. Yeah. But I want you to hear this phrase somebody said to me when I was wearing a a sport coat on Easter. No tie, wearing the coat. Yep. Uh, Somebody said, I feel like I can listen more to what you're saying when you're dressed up. Interesting. Give me the give me the demographics of that person. My age. Yeah. 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 And so and they were joking, but, but there's it commands a little truth a little in every authority. joke. Right? Yeah. A little truth in yeah. every joke. Uh, so I want you with all of that as background, I've seen your church kind of the same deal. Totally. Right? Same yeah. deal. Uh, we also live in a culture where our kids wear things to school. 
that we never wore. Yeah, we weren't up. even allowed to wear growing up. Pajama yeah. pants. No, my and son had pajama pants. pants and a hoodie on today. So there's a different cultural dynamic yes. as well, right? I. I'm going to ask you to weigh in on, on on this after we listen to R.C. Sproul. Ooh, okay. R.C. Sproul, uh, very famous theologian. He's mm-hmm. no longer with us, but very yeah. famous theologian and pastor. And uh, the type of guy who would speak in a suit yeah. all the time. He Somebody put this on Facebook or Twitter the other day. He kind of went off about how people dress for church. Ooh. I want you to listen to this. Drives me crazy in this 21st century how people dress when they go to church. They would never go to the White House dressed like that. But they'll go into the presence of the living God in the sloppiest clothes they can find. And they'll appeal to James about, you know, hey, if a poor guy can't have a shirt, that's fine. He's welcome to my church anytime. But you're not poor. You don't come into the presence of God like a slob. Get dressed up. Or dress down, but for heaven's sakes, get dressed when you come to church and into the presence of God. What's wrong with us today? We have no sense of who we're worshiping. We have no sense of the presence of God. And yet, he's the very one who's clothed us in the garments of the prince. The finest garments there is, finer than linen, finer than gold. The garments... Of the righteousness of Christ. So he says, it drives me crazy in this 21st century how people dress when they go to church. And he wants to say, so he says this, you would never wear sweatpants or jeans and a hoodie or whatever yeah. to a job interview. No, no, that's not true. job interview. He says to the White House. Ah, that's very You're true. You're going to dress up for the White House. He wants to be one of those people who holds up a reverence in how we dress. So there is something cultural here. If you go back to our grandparents' generation, oh, yes. if you've ever seen pictures from like baseball games mm-hmm. in the 1930s. Everyone was so dressed up. Every guy is in a Even full like, suit with a yeah, hat for like, a baseball game. Right. Even Disney theme parks, when they yes. first open, women are in fl- dresses and um, I can't think of what it's called. Under the dresses that make the dress poof poofy. The guys are in suits or suits. jackets. Yeah. So we're not even it's talking for work day here. And age. I'm talking sitting at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in suits. So obviously we're in a different cultural spot, but I would like to hear from you what you think about his point about reverence and church as it pertains to dress. Yeah. So I grew up similarly to you, Brian, especially in a Southern Baptist culture where like we wore dresses every Sunday. Mm-hmm. My dad wore suit and tie every Sunday. We wore tights. Young ladies wear tights and young ladies wear slips. That was something I grew up learning from my mom. And sometimes we wore hats. Like we, we were like that dressed up. And I, I, it's funny because I do think I don't, I don't think theologically, biblically, or um, even reverentially Mm -hmm. that you have to dress up. In fact, I think there's something about coming to Jesus as you are, not dressed up, not trying to be fancy that says you are loved and accepted just as you are and allows people who are unbelievers or who aren't comfortable with church or who are used to a more like hoity toity quote stuffy church that it allows them to breathe a little bit and be themselves. And so I actually prefer the message of come as you are, wear what you want, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
I do understand at the same time that because I mean, you know, if Kevin and I go on a nice date to a nice restaurant or to a nice Broadway Broadway show, you know, Chicago (laughs) show, something like that. Chicago Broadway. We're going to get a little more dressed up. Yep. And that makes it feel more important and more exciting. And so I do understand like that that desire to look a little more dressy on Sunday to present your Sunday best mm-hmm. to the Lord and to one another. That's what my parents would say growing up. We're going to put on and our that's Sunday what best. Would say, yeah. Right? And uh, so I, you can't convince me that you need to dress up on Sunday mornings. Like I'll never be convinced that that's like what God wants from us, but I can see that perspective mm-hmm. about bringing, bringing your Sunday best does elevate the moment. Certainly. Yeah. It's funny. We had a guest preacher, a missionary um, from Kazakhstan a few weeks ago at renewal. And he said he wore jeans and a button up shirt. It was tucked in, but he goes, I'm wearing jeans. This is the first time I have ever worn jeans preaching at a church. And it was like, oh, wow. Okay. okay. That's funny. Yeah. I, I, you know, when I watch this thing from R.C.'s Pearl, I got to be honest, my first inclination is always like, all right, get off my lawn, guy. Yeah, like, this is, but right. I actually think he's got some right points. Yeah. Here's the deal. I do think we've lost reverence yeah. in churches. I think that you might, some people might see dress as a symptom of that and others of us don't. Mm-hmm. The question, it's a bigger deal for me. The question is reverence, not dress. Yeah. I think there's some people who can be, have that awe and reverence and be in jeans and a t-shirt. Well, right, right. And others, we've all been in the churches where everybody's in a suit and you know the hypocrisy and other things yeah. going on. So if for you, it helps you with reverence and focus and this and that to wear a suit, wear a suit. Yeah. If you're not, that's fine. Right. I do think the question that is raised about reverence and do we understand who we are worshiping? Mm-hmm. Do we understand what's actually going is an important one to that's raise. A very I, that's important a differentiation question. I want to make. Yeah. And I, I think for me where I tend to also look at is especially like, you know, the passage of scripture in first Samuel where, where David is, or God is choosing David mm. And passes by his older brothers and ultimately scripture said, like, the man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I think for me, that's where I tend to land around discussions like these. Like it really your outside appearance, like Brian said, if it makes you feel more on reverent, then go for it. Like dress to the nines. Mm -hmm. And again, this is culture of different churches and there's not one that's right or wrong. But ultimately, what matters, what the Lord is looking at is your heart, not your outer appearance. That's and right. So that's where the reverence and the awe begins. There you go. So give it some thought. I don't know that it's whether you wear a tie or not. But to R.C. Sproul's point, the tie might symbolize something. It might symbolize that you something. understand whom it is that you are worshiping. Coming up next, I do want to talk about the concept of radical forgiveness. What does that look like? What difference does it make if Christians learn to show it? We're going to do that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160. Hope for your life. Glad to have you with us. Not only on my birthday, Aubrey, but Star Wars Day, which I didn't even realize existed, and it's my birthday. But like five years ago, somebody said, Your birthday is on Star Wars Day. And I said, I have no idea (laughs) that that's a thing. What are you talking about? And then they looked at me like, May the fourth be with you. And And I was like, 
and oh. also with you. <laughs> also with you. So it does make sense. Yes, I have a. I Has have, it always been a thing, like since I, we were younger? No, I feel like it. Just in the past few years in pop culture, May Fourth has been at least become more mainstream. There were probably Star Wars people mm. who like kind of celebrated it, but I would say just in the past few years, and that's probably why you haven't heard about it. I okay. do wear my. I have a R two D two and C three PO T shirt that I wear on May the Fourth. In your honor Thank you. and in Star Wars. Honor. Thank you. Yes, you're wearing it right now. Yep. We are we are impressed. We are impressed. Thank you. All right. Not just I want to talk about forgiveness, not just forgiveness, but what I would like to call radical forgiveness. And I saw something on Twitter the other day. And Aubrey, you we haven't admitted to this yet, or maybe we did that. We got fooled by Twitter the other day. Oh, yeah, we did. We, we had a long to talk, talk about, about, a, about a tweet that I brought. <laughs> it was my fault. That after the show, we learned was a little satire. It was satirical, it was and satirical. we both took it very seriously. And we took it very seriously. Yeah, like, I mean, I think I was, like, preaching about it. It was even. the one that, and it should tell you a lot about the current culture of debate that well, we that we fell right. for it, because it was the one where the person tried to define what it looks like to be transgender. Yeah. So you might remember that from Monday show, Tuesday show, one of the two. Yeah. And uh, later on, our, our uh, producer was like... Yeah, I think that was a satire site. Yeah, and we took it too seriously. But we had a good conversation. We had a great I conversation. Stand by our conversation. I agree. But it was also a, a sidebar here. Be careful what you read on Twitter. Yeah, do your work. Do your work. So I'm going to learn from that mm-hmm. and say what I'm about to read to you. This person said, again, a blue checkmark person, a writer, uh, says, My source for this is a first person account from a close source to somebody at the Covenant School in Nashville. Okay. I, I Googled it. It has not been corroborated. Okay. So I decided to go with it because here's why, Aubrey. What I'm about to read to you, I want to believe is true. Mm, let's hear it. I want to believe is true. This person reported this about the Nashville shooting, said, did you know that the parents at Covenant School raised money to pay for the shooter's funeral? No way. If that's true, no way. <laughs> and here's why I want to believe it's true. This is such a, this goes beyond what I could ever do. Right? It doesn't say the people whose kids died were, were the ones who raised yeah, money. Yeah. Parents at the school raised Ooh. money to pay for the shooter's funeral. And I say that I want to believe it for this. Mm. If this is true, mm. this is such a picture of unbelievable, unexpected, radical, Christ-reflecting forgiveness that I don't think I'd be able to do. I would absolutely not be able to do it. Mm-hmm. I would absolutely actually feel guilty doing it and feel like it would not be right or Ooh, okay to do. I, to me, it's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not saying this is my right tendency. I, so I'm I saying to this is this. my human tendency. Okay. But I think you're a shooter and you come in and you kill children to, for me to pay for your funeral doesn't necessarily say I'm okay with you doing it, right. but it almost says I'm going to let you, I'm going to let evil and you right. walk all over me. Right. In, in fact, what I would rather do is take that money and give it to like gun reform or a peaceful organization that's all about the peace of Jesus mm. or bettering the schools or helping the families of the victims or like that would feel more just than this. This doesn't feel, I know it is a radical forgiveness, but it feels so kind of. Unnatural, unfair, and a little bit gross to me, to be honest. This was years ago. If it's true. Do you remember years ago, there was a tragic shooting in an Amish school uh, 10, 15 years ago? I mean, like 
a lot of kids were killed Mm -hmm. in one of these senseless school shootings. Mm -hmm. And it was very like part of the Amish ethos Mm -hmm. was that they expressed their forgiveness and paid for the funeral of the shooter of the shooter. Uh, for the family, like, and they reached out to the shooter's family mm. and they did this. I, this is why I wanted to talk about this mm. because that's an example where it actually happened. I'd like to believe that it is happening here. Well, I don't, I have the exact same reaction as you. Yeah. Like I'm anti-death penalty until you kill somebody that I love. Right. You come after my kids. We're, right. That's a different conversation. Right? I want to be like this person's name, Audrey Hale's name should not be spoken. Yeah. Yeah. Let alone. Yeah. And her family didn't do anything, but let alone they be blessed in this way. Like, I'm with you. Yeah. I want to go, this is not fair. Uh -uh. This is not right. Uh Uh-uh. But as Christians and pastors, we have to kind of go, you have to wrestle with that. What a glimpse of the undeserved grace and forgiveness we've been shown. And this is why I want to believe this to be true, even though I don't like it to be true. Well, here is a true story. A friend of mine that we've had on the show, his name is Davey Blackburn. His wife Mm -hmm. was murdered. His his wife was, things happened to her. And then she was murdered by two men in her home. Awful story. Yes. And Davey on national television forgave her murderers Mm -hmm. and then just recently again in the final uh, court case sat in front of them and read a letter of forgiveness all about Jesus and that those are the stories when you hear them like this story if it's true where you go okay there is nothing in my natural self like you and I are just sitting here saying like no no no. there is nothing in your natural humanity that allows for that to happen it is only by the spirit of god and the grace of god when you uh, when, i don't even know if you have to understand what greatest salvation you have in jesus but you can look at what greatest salvation you have in jesus mm-hmm. and go that moves me by the power of the holy spirit and the forgiveness i've experienced to forgive in radical ways but outside of i think jesus moving in you and through mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. This just doesn't seem humanly possible or like we're saying not even fair, fair. but that's sort of the point, isn't it? What do you think the reaction is for the non-Christ follower to read a story like this or that Amish story I told you or Davy Blackburn story Mm -hmm. as people are sitting in that courtroom? Yeah, I would think if I if for me, it's already disconcerting. If I wasn't a Christ follower, it would be super disconcerting. I don't know how I would react to it. And that's kind of the point. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling. I'm I'm struggling to know out because if I feel this way as a Christian, right? My thought is that uh, that either it could go one of two ways, right? The non-believer goes, well, that's something that's different. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that. That piques my interest. Hmm. That's a forgiveness I don't have. And I would like to experience. Or you go, those people are crazy. <laughs> They're crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I would think that we need to. Mm, wow. Do a good job, like you sounds like Davy did, of tying it back to Jesus. That's it. As opposed to, I'm a better person than you. Let me forgive. I can't right. imagine. I'm sure you've talked to Davy about it. I can't imagine he sat there going, I really want to forgive these guys. Absolutely not. I think it was, I really want to go strangle those guys. Absolutely. Like, it, and most people would say, you deserve the opportunity to go strangle those yeah, guys. Yeah, I mean, they they murdered his wife, an unborn child. Like, and the anger and the rage is real. It, I would also think that if I were a non-believer, seeing something like that rooted in Jesus Mm -hmm. and understanding even a little bit what that comes out of, 
I think that would point me to Jesus. I think it ultimately it would point you to Jesus because yep. it's such a rat, like you said, such a radical forgiveness, such a self-sacrificial act of love that it would have to point you. I would to think Jesus, so. I would right? think so. I hope this ends up being a true story, mostly because I need to be challenged by it. And also because what a thought that Audrey Hale's family might somehow be touched by right. these, these people who proclaim faith in Jesus. Right. Wow. But as we said, we're wow. not going to fall for believing everything on Twitter. So we're going to wait for some <laughs> wait confirmation. Wait and see what happens there. Yep. Nope. Tomorrow is Cinco de Mayo. We'll be back from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian from The Birthday Boy, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.